0: It's always such a treat for me to hear somebody else play this piano. Thank you and welcome to our Palm Sunday service. Um, Today on this beautiful, sunny, warm Sunday, we're going to stand together and sing Crown Hymn, uh, Majesty, the Chris Tomlin version. Stay. You
1: church this sunny morning, the calm before the storm, the blizzard that we're forecast to get. It's a good reminder exactly what church is, is when we come to worship, it is a calm. Your week might be a storm and we might get the storm to different degrees, but it's a time where you can come and take refuge. It's a calm before the storm that may come up in your week. If you would like to take your bulletin and read with me the scripture that is in there, it's from Matthew chapter 21 verse 9. And let's read together Hosanna to the son of David blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna in the highest if you'd just like to bow with me and let's pray our Heavenly Father we thank you that we can come and gather together we thank you that we have brothers and sisters in Christ that we can share with that we can be with that we can fellowship with and that we can worship with and we thank you for the freedom that we have to worship you this morning we thank you that we have a pastor that can teach us your word and we just pray that you continue to be with him as he delivers that we thank you that we have a copy of your word in our own language and each have our own copy and that is a huge blessing the opportunity to learn about you And we just pray that you would continue to guide us in our worship of you as we sing, as we pray and we hear from your word. And once again, we give you praise that we can come and do that freely this morning. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen.
2: Your bibles to john chapter 12 verse 12. it's good to have a bible and actually read the word of god instead of a lot of other books sometimes this morning we're reading starting in verse 12. the next day the great crowd that had come from the for the feast heard that jesus was on his way to jerusalem they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See your your king is coming, seated on a donkey colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd of the now the crowd was that was with him when he was called when he excuse me now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word many people because they heard that he had given this miraculous sign went out to meet him may god bless reading of his word
3: I heard someone say once and I haven't really wrapped my mind completely about it around it, but I you know, there's a lot of truth to it. Heard somebody say once that, you know, when your church service, when the scripture is being read, that is the only time in the whole service when you're actually hearing the word of God being spoken. (laughs) It's the only time that you're actually hearing God speaking, when the scripture is being read. So that's a pretty profound thing. So don't take it lightly when you're reading the scripture. That's the only time in the service when it's actually, we're actually hearing the very words of God, God speaking to us. So, I hope when I hope when I preach that uh, it's the word of God as well. But, uh, but yeah. So that's that's something to to think about, something to wrap our minds around. But anyway, as we look into God's word this morning, let's just ask Him to, for our uh, to, to guide our thoughts. Lord God, we we just want to give give ourselves to you in this service in a sense that we want to be open to you as we uh, come and bow and worship of you, as we lift our hands in praise of you and our voices in praise of you, as we open our ears to hear what you say to us, Lord, we just want to open ourselves totally before you so that you can do in our hearts and our lives what you need to do in us. And help us, Lord, to... Understand what that is. Help me, Lord, now to just speak your word as as you would have it spoken. So it would actually be you, your word being spoken to us. So, Lord, we, we just commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I couldn't find any jokes about kings this morning, but I did find some interesting quotes about leaders and leadership. There we go. I got turn it turned on. About jokes about leader. leadership, which got me thinking about what is a good leader and what makes a good leader. So some of these quotes I'll share with you, some of them are funny, some of them are just bad. <laughs> some are actually pretty good. But anyway, here's a sampling of them, just for the sole purpose of getting us to think about leaders and leadership. From Theodore Roosevelt. The best executive is the one who has the sense enough to pick good men to do what he wants done, and the self-restraint to keep from meddling with them while they do it. From Adlai E. Stevenson II. That's when I don't have a clue who he is. but He said, it's hard to lead a cavalry charge... If you think you look funny on a horse (laughs) from Tony Blair the art of leadership is saying no not saying yes it's very easy to say yes John Naisbitt said leadership involves finding a parade and getting in front of it (laughs) then from EM Kelly remember the difference between a boss and a leader a boss says go and the leader says, let's go. And then from Joseph Stalin, death is the solution to all problems. No man, no problem. <laughs> you knew Stalin, a Stalin, quote, would not be good. <laughs> the focus of this this morning is, of course, Jesus Christ, who, who rode into Jerusalem that Palm Sunday, that... Sunday, 2,000 and some odd years ago, amid the fanfare of the people. That occasion, which we celebrate now as Palm Sunday, was the first and really the only time that Jesus presented himself to the people as a king. A king, as the ancient world knew it, was an ultimate leader. And when all is said and done, and now looking back about 2,000 years we would have to say that Jesus is the greatest king. He is the greatest leader that ever lived. However, as you read the story of Jesus in the Gospels, you do not get the picture of what we often see as a strong leader or a strong king. While he was here on earth, Jesus did not fit the picture ...of a strong leader that we often have in our minds as to what a strong leader is. And yet, he was the greatest leader ever. And so we need to do some thinking to wrap our minds around that. So like I said, the event we're celebrating this morning is Palm Sunday. That day then Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey colt... ...amid the cheering and palm waving of the people, of the crowd. It was obviously a significant event. All four gospel writers record this event for us. As they wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, all four of them were moved to include this story in their Gospels. So obviously it's important, not just for the people of Jesus' day, but for all of us of all time. This is an important event to remember. What's the message here for us? What is it in this story that God wants us to get? He put it in the Bible for us four times. What does God want us to see here? And likely this is one of those things that the more you study it, the more God will show you. The word of God is like that. It's living and active. There's always more. But as I have studied this event of Palm Sunday, that event of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem over the years, what, I, what has come to hit home to me is that it all has to do with Jesus as a king. Jesus is presenting himself to the people as their king. So what's the significance of that? Let's dig in. We need to understand the significance of the Palm Sunday story. And a study of the implications that come out of the Palm Sunday story will help us to see this significance. So there are two things I want to bring out here. So number one, if Jesus is the king... He needs to be my king. If Jesus is the king, he needs to be my king. And what we're going to do this morning is look at all four accounts of this story from all the four Gospels. Uh, we're not going to read them all from each Gospel, but we're going to at least look at or refer to them all. So I'd like you to turn, first of all, to, uh, to Matthew's account. So that's in Matthew 21, the first 11 verses. So turn your Bibles to Matthew 21. And verses 1 through 11. Um, and we're not going to read it. I'd just like you to, to have it there in front of you. So just to set the context, you see if you back up to Matthew 20, verse 29, that Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem and a whole crowd of people joined the procession. There was a multitude of people around Jesus. And the occasion, of course, was the upcoming Passover feast in Jerusalem, which meant a trip to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast at the temple. That's what you did every year if you were a Jew. You every year, you went to Jerusalem, you went to the temple to celebrate the Passover. That's why Jesus was going there and the multitude, they were all going there as well. Now there's a reason why there's a multitude around Jesus, we'll get to that in a bit. So Matthew 21, the first three verses tell us that Jesus sent two of his disciples to the village that was right next to them to get the donkey colt. Now, Matthew gives some information here that the other writers, the other gospels, don't give. And that is that they also brought the colt's mother along with them. And maybe that is the reason that this colt was quite well behaved during this whole time. Something that's always got me, or I've wondered about when I'm reading this. And I, I, I'm not a horseman, I don't know, or a donkey man, <laughs> or anything. Um, because the Bible is very clear, both Matthew or both Luke and Mark tell us that this da- this colt that Jesus sat on had never been ridden before. So you have an unbroken colt. Jesus is up on him. There's a whole crowd of people waving branches in the air and throwing and screaming and hollering and throwing their jackets. Would you get on an unbroken colt in that scene, <laughs> Howard or Byron? Would you do that? <laughs> Maybe Myron would. I don't know. He's quite a cowboy, but (laughs) But that seems to be so. Maybe the maybe the part of the answer is that the mother came with it. Maybe that's why they brought the mother along so that 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 wouldn't be an issue. But anyway, that's kind of beside the point. But both Mark and Luke say that no one had ever ridden this colt before. Unbroken colt, Jesus is going to ride. If you skip down to twenty-one verses six through eleven, you read the well-known story of Jesus riding the colt up into in the city of Jerusalem, the whole crowd around him. People were cheering and worshiping Jesus. Some spreading garments in the road in front of Jesus. Some cutting branches from palm trees and waving them in the air. And they're cheering. Also laying down, laying them on the road in front of Jesus. I saw the Tate's girls. They brought palm branches this morning, didn't they? Wow. You got them here? I saw you carry them in. Here, you should wave them around a bit. Get us in the mood. (laughs) Yeah, wave them in the air. Because that's what was happening. The crowd was just waving these palm branches and shouting, Glory to God, Hosanna, he's the king come in the name of the Lord. Thank you, girls. And thank you, Keith and Karen. Good parenting there. <laughs> in fact, let's, let's just take a second. Uh, I kind of lost my notes here. Yeah. <laughs> let's go back to John chapter 12, where uh, Larry read for us. Let's go back there for a second. Uh, John 12 to 19, which Larry just read. Um, A couple of things there that I just want to remind us of. Verse 13. Matthew's account says the people in the crowd cut branches from the trees. Mark's account says they cut leafy branches from the fields. (laughs) John tells us it was palm branches. So that's where we get the name Palm Sunday from. That that comes from John's account there. And then down to 17 and 18 in in John chapter 12. Um, So the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify about him. For this reason, the people went out and meet him, because they heard that he had performed the sign. So what attracted this crowd to Jesus, yeah, they're all going to Jerusalem for the Passover, but... There's a crowd around Jesus going to Jerusalem for the Passover. What attracted this crowd to Jesus was this miracle that Jesus had just performed of raising Lazarus from the dead. John had just recorded that in chapter earlier, in John chapter 11. And as John presents it, Jesus performed this miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead not long before this occasion of riding the donkey into Jerusalem. So chapter 12 verse 9 tells us that that's the reason... For this great multitude hanging around Jesus. They came because they wanted to see Lazarus. Whom Jesus raised from the dead. They wanted to take a look at this guy. Who had been dead and now was alive. And because of this great miracle. That Jesus had done. That convinced the crowd. That Jesus was someone great. And so they're kind of jumping on the Jesus bandwagon. So that's the reason. They joined up with Jesus and his disciples. On this trip to Jerusalem. For the Passover. So back to Matthew 21. Uh, so, so think about this whole scene. Big crowd of people, Jesus likely in the middle, all cheering and worshipping and praising God, waving branches in the air, paving the road in front of Jesus with their jackets and their coats and the palm branches, and all shouting as they did there in verse, verse 9, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And as you, as you look at that whole picture, that whole scene, you can't help but see that Jesus orchestrated the whole thing. He deliberately sent a couple of his disciples to get this donkey colt. He mounted the donkey colt. He rode it into the city. He knew the crowd would react to this. See, they knew how, he knew how the crowd was going to react. Why did he do that? Why? He, he orchestrated the whole thing. Why did he do it? It's a bit out of character for Jesus. He always tended toward hushing people up. Toward backing away from any kind of recognition or of putting himself forward as someone of significance. At least in a crowd, he always did that. He always backed off. When he was dealing with people one-on-one or maybe just in a small... Setting with the disciples, he would be more forthright about telling them who he was. But not so much in front of a large crowd, especially when there were religious Jewish leaders around. And the times that he did present himself with someone significant as soon as the conflict started, he kind of left and went somewhere else. But not this time. He deliberately put himself up there. As someone great, as a king, as we're going to see. Why did he do that? Well, Matthew gives the answer. Verses 4 and 5. This took place to fulfill, I'm in Matthew 21, verse 4 and 5. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. That's a quote from the Old Testament prophet Zechariah, from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. That is one of the prophecies about the Messiah that God had always promised was coming. The Old Testament prophets all foretold the coming of this Messiah. This is one of those prophecies. Messiah, when he came, would come gentle, and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a donkey. So we get a better understanding of what is going on here. Jesus deliberately set this up, knowing how the people would react. This was a fulfillment of prophecy. He wanted the people to catch the significance of what is happening, of who he is. If you put yourself in the shoes of someone who's in the crowd here, And knowing the Old Testament prophecies. What would you be thinking as you saw this unfold? Jesus, the great miracle worker, coming into Jerusalem, the capital city, riding on a donkey colt, just like the Old Testament prophecy had foretold. At the time of the Passover, the greatest national celebration of the Jewish year. That's like equivalent to our Canada Day or in the United States to Independence Day. Coming in on the Passover, the greatest national celebration of the Jewish year. You'd be getting excited as you put it all together. This is it. This is our Messiah. He's going to establish himself as our king. He's going to get rid of those pesky Romans. And all the prophecies of the Messianic age are coming true. And so this very quickly turned into a coronation parade. Verse 9. We've already read it. What the people were shouting there. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, That's taken loosely from Psalm 118, verse 25 to 27. Uh, That whole section of the psalm, Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, were songs that the Israelites would sing when they're going up to Jerusalem for the feast. For the feast of the Passover. That whole Section of the song of the Psalms were songs that they would sing as they're going up to Jerusalem. And there is in them an element of anticipation of the coming Messiah and what it would be like when Messiah came. And they sang these songs every year as they went up to Jerusalem on Passover in anticipation of the Messiah coming. So this time, as they have in front of them Jesus riding on the donkey colt in fulfillment of prophecy, this song took on a whole new meaning for this crowd. It had always, in years past, been sung in anticipation of the Messiah. This time, it was happening right in front of them, and their singing would have been so much more enthusiastic. This—it's happening! Jesus is the Messiah. It's happening. Or at least they hoped he was the Messiah. <laughs> and so, laying their robes and branches on the road in front of them was something that was—that was something that was done in Old Testament times when a new king was crowned during the coronation march, and they're doing it now for Jesus. And the point I want us to see here is that Jesus did this quite deliberately. Jesus is presenting himself to the people and to the nation as their Messiah and their king. And not only the king of of Israel, The prophet said that Messiah would rule the whole world from David's throne in Jerusalem. So Jesus, if he's the Messiah, is not only the king of Israel, he's the king, period. He is the king. King of everyone. And Jesus is very deliberately presenting himself here as the king. So what does that mean for us today? Do we believe Jesus is the king? Obviously the people here in this story didn't at all grasp the significance of what Jesus' kingship is all about. They totally missed out on what the prophecy in Zechariah 9 verse 9 and in Isaiah 53 were all about. And so a few days later they all turned on Jesus. But Jesus is the fulfillment of these prophecies nonetheless. And he is the king. And if Jesus is the king... Then it follows that he needs to be my king. He needs to be my king. If he is the king, then I need to make Jesus the king of my own personal life. I need to pledge my allegiance to him and allow him full control over me. Because he's the king. And I need to live the kind of life he'd want me to live. And live in obedience to him and allow him to work the transformation in me that he wants to. And to make me into the Christian that I need to be in community. If he's the king, he needs to be my king and I need to obey him. Palm Sunday is about celebrating the Jesus as the king. And if Jesus is the king, he needs to be my king. And all that that implies. Is he? Is he? Secondly, if Jesus is my king, I need to give him my true praise and allegiance. If Jesus is my king, I need to give him my true praise and allegiance. I'd like you to flip over here to Luke's account. Luke chapter 19, verse 28. That's Luke's account of this uh, whole story. Luke 19, 28 to 44. But I want to focus on verse 39 and following uh, as we go through this. As you can well imagine, the Pharisees weren't at all pleased by what was happening here. In their minds, Jesus was a fraud and an imposter, trying to be the Messiah, but not anything like what they understood Messiah to be. And Jesus was deluding the people, and he needed to be done away with. That's where the Pharisees were at in their mindset. So they came to Jesus. Well, this whole fanfare was going on, and everybody's shouting, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, and all that. The Pharisees came to Jesus and told him to rebuke his disciples. What they're doing wasn't right. They were praising Jesus and worshiping him like he was God. And if Jesus was really a man of God, he wouldn't allow that. So went the thinking of the Pharisees. But notice Jesus' response there, verse 40. Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. (laughs) Jesus was not going to stop them. He wasn't going to stop his disciples from worshiping him. Even if he did, he said, it would not stop Jesus from being praised. If the people stopped The very rocks would start crying out in praise and worship to Jesus. Even the rocks would recognize their creator. Amazing response by Jesus when you think about it. And then Jesus does something totally unexpected. You see there in Luke, account there, verses 41, Luke 19, verse 41 to 44. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it. Saying, if you had known in this day even you the things which make for peace. But now they've been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you. And surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave on you one stone upon another. Because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. The most glorious day of his ministry in Jesus broke down and cried. But look at the reason why he cried. Jesus knew the deal. He knew the hearts of the people that were singing his praises at that very moment. He knew what the next week would hold. Yeah, at this moment in time, the crowd was willing to accept him as the Messiah. They were willing to crown him king. They were praising him and worshiping him, and rightly so. He wasn't going to stop them. They were right in doing that. But Jesus also knew that as a whole, they didn't get it. They didn't understand. So in that sense, their praise was not sincere. Their allegiance wasn't sincere or true. And that would bear out in the next few days the next thing that had to happen was the cross. And when Jesus didn't stop that from happening, it was taken by the crowd that he couldn't stop it from happening. Which meant that he wasn't the Messiah. And they all turned on him. So their praise and allegiance turned into cries of crucify him on Friday. This was happening on on Sunday. (laughs) By Friday it's crucify him. And then Jesus closes his account here in Luke with, uh, with, a, with a prediction of his own. And that that prediction was that this city of Jerusalem, ready now to make him king and to proclaim peace. They didn't have a clue as to what really makes for peace. And the days are coming, Jesus foretold, when Jerusalem would be besieged and leveled to the ground. reason? The people didn't recognize the time of their visitation. It looked like they did on Palm Sunday, but they didn't really. Good Friday proved that. And this prediction of Jesus came true less than 40 years after he spoke those words, when in 70 AD the Romans leveled Jerusalem to the ground, just like Jesus said. So again, what's the lesson here for us? this. If Jesus is my king, I need to give him my true allegiance, my true praise and allegiance, and not turn on him when things don't go the way I expect. True praise and allegiance. May I say that as you follow Jesus in your Christian life, as you make Jesus your king, And follow him. There will be times. And maybe many times. When things don't go the way you expect them to go. And if Jesus is truly my king. Then I need to give him my true praise and allegiance anyway. Knowing that Jesus knows things that I don't. And I need to just trust him. In fact I've heard testimonies from many Christians who have gone through incredibly hard times when they couldn't make sense of anything. Nothing was going like they expected it to go. And it was precisely this, making the choice to trust and follow Jesus and praise his name anyway, that saw them through the hard times. And then when they were through, they were able to look back and see what Jesus was up to. If Jesus truly is my king, then I need to give him my true praise and allegiance and not swerve from that and not turn on Jesus when things don't go as expected. And praise him anyway and serve him anyway. That is true praise and allegiance. If you only praise him and give him allegiance when things are looking rosy and back off when things start going sideways, is to be just like the people here in this crowd on Palm Sunday. The people that Jesus broke down and wept over because they didn't get it. If Jesus is my king, I need to give him my true praise and allegiance. So therefore we see from the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where he presented himself to the nation as their king and their messiah. The implications that show us why this is significant to us. They are, number one, if Jesus is the king, and that's what Palm Sunday was all about, Jesus presented himself as the king. If Jesus is the king, he needs to be my king. I need to surrender to him and obey him and follow him. And secondly, if Jesus is my king, I need to give him my true praise and allegiance. Even when things don't turn out the way I expected, I need to praise him and serve him anyway. Trusting that he knows something that I don't. And he's doing something I may not understand at this point. Jesus is the king. And we need to celebrate him as the king. And make sure our allegiance to him is true and not fickle. Is Jesus the king? Is he your king? And we need to celebrate our king. Pre-COVID days, I would have thrown on you all chocolate to help you get to the celebrating mood, but I can't do that today. So. But we need to celebrate our king. We have a week ahead of us. The greatest events of history of the world took place in this next week. Palm Sunday today, Good Friday on Friday, Easter Sunday morning. Biggest reason to celebrate ever. Let's make this a week of celebration. Let's take our time of silence. What is God saying to you this morning that you need to hear?
0: This next song that we chose is a new one, but the words were so great, and um, it's Behold Our God, seated on his throne, come let us adore him. Behold your king, nothing can compare, come let us adore him. So as we reflect on the sermon and um, what it means to make Jesus our king, let's stand and sing this one together. is nice. briefly mentions all glory be to Christ but we thought that these words kind of wrapped up the theme of making Jesus our King really well.
3: Something that you would like to publicly praise God for this morning. Okay, let's bow our heads then. Our God, we just bow before you because you are our king. There's no other person or thing or anything that we should bow before or save you alone. And so, Lord, before you, we bow. We want to make you our king. Want to give you that praise and allegiance that you are certainly due, and Lord help us to make sure in our own hearts that it is true praise and allegiance that we are giving you. And that we will trust you as our King and praise you no matter what, because you are the King. And so Lord has We bow before you. We also are recognizing that you are a king who indeed loves us. And you're more than just a king. You're our father. You're our brother. You're our friend, as you told your disciples there in John chapter 16. And you've asked us to make our request known to you because you're concerned about the things we're concerned about. So we've come before you as our king. And also as someone who wants a closer relationship than just a king and a subject. And bring these things before you. Pray for Jamie. Lord, today I, I just pray that there would just be a normal cold. That it wouldn't be anything more serious. That it would not be COVID. But help him, Lord, as he seeks to be careful. Uh, Lord, just be close to him. Help him to know your presence with him at this time. And just continue to walk with you and grow in you. Pray for uh, Corey's mom. Uh, her health issues lord in the hospital and uh, just pray you give the doctors wisdom pray you bring healing to her be with corey's dad in this time as well and give him your strength and lord may they just reach out to you may they open themselves to you and turn to you for help during this time and for corey and his whole family as well lord just be close to them and also lord for bonnie's family thank you so much lord that uh, bonnie's able to be here you know it's been a difficult week for her family or last few weeks actually Quick trip there for a funeral and back this past week. And uh, thank you, Lord, so much that she's here to minister to us in and music. And Lord, I just pray your blessing on them. And I pray you give their family wisdom as they uh, deal with, their, with Bonnie's mom, Preview with Bonnie's dad. Uh, give them, Lord, the strength to go through this time of adjustment, time of loneliness, and a time of extreme busyness. In <laughs> fact, last week or so. And Give the Lord your strength and your wisdom. May he get the rest, Lord, that he needs at this time, too. For Rocky Underhill, Lord, I just pray that the stem cell transplant that he had, that that would prove to be effective, and that when they do the next scan, they'll be able to see that the cancer is gone. That's what our prayer is. Lord, more than anything, though, we pray that both him and Lynn would, through this time of trial in their lives, that they would turn to you and be open to you and look to you there'd be those of us around who could share the gospel with them and they could hear and understand and give their lives to You. Thank you for those of our brothers and sisters around our world who are facing severe persecution. And I thank you, Lord, for their example to all of us of how to stand strong in spite of opposition and it's something that we have yet to learn in our nation. And so, Lord, I pray you'd be with them. Help them to be strong. Give them your strength, and may the strength of their stand just be such a witness that many people around them in these countries would turn to you and give their lives to you. Pray for our political leaders, Lord, to continue to go before them and give them your strength to govern. Pray that they would hear about you, that they would hear the gospel, they would turn their lives to you. Pray that they would govern according to your principles. Pray, Lord, that they would heed good, sound advice coming from the Christians who are in government they would follow that, knowing his advice from you. And I pray that they would humble themselves before you, and seek to govern as you would want, and not to advance their own agendas. So Lord, have your hand on each one of them, we pray. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would grant them your wisdom as they seek to navigate uh, this pandemic, seek to navigate the rollout of vaccinations, seek to, there's so much need to navigate, plus keep of an economy going, and Lord, I I just pray you grant them your wisdom, and may may they follow your wisdom. Lord, thanks for each of us here in this building, that we can come together and hear your word together. May we all walk out of here having made you our king and given you our true praise and allegiance. And we pray this all in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ.
1: Just a reminder that for our offering, we've got our offering um, container that's there just by the exit door. And if you'd just like to bow with me as we give thanks for the offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your goodness to us, how we live in a land of peace, and a land of plenty. And we just thank you that we have the opportunity to give back to you and ask that you would bless this offering. Amen. As far as the announcements go, they're there in your bulletin uh, coming up this week. On Tuesday at 7pm is Ladies Bible Study here at the church. And there is no youth this weekend. And next Sunday there is no adult or teen Sunday school. But there's an Easter worship service and we're going to celebrate with and worship with communion. And a special note that's there at the trustees meeting that Cam Edwards was elected as the chairman of the trustee board. For this next year so pray for cam and feel free to congratulate him and thanks for willing to do that cam and is there any other announcements if not it's time for pastor glenn's trivia
3: okay kids here are the answers for the trivia quiz that I hope you all picked one up. I didn't mention it. I hope that's habit by now that you all grabbed one. So give your paper to a trusted adult in your life or a trusted adult in the church and so they can mark it for you. And here are the answers. Question number one. Four. (laughs) The answer is four. Or all four. Question number two. Uh, Its mother was taken along with it. Reason the donkey colt was so well behaved, a possible reason its mother was taken along, the, or they brought the mother along, or something to that effect. Uh, question number three the answer is John. Question number four the answer is to see Lazarus. Pardon me? Sure. <laughs> number five is Zechariah. Number six the fill in the blank question the answer is my. Word my my goes in the blank. Uh, question number seven. What did Jesus predict would happen to the city of Jerusalem? It would be besieged and leveled to the ground. Or if you just have leveled to the ground, that would work too. I think I mentioned both of those things. So either those are right. And number eight, fill in the blank. The two answers: first one is praise, second one is allegiance. So praise and allegiance are the two words that goes in the blanks there. So if you're ten and under, you needed four right to get a prize. If you're over 10, you need 100% to get a prize. So, if uh, the person who marked your paper says that you get a prize, come up to me after the service and I'll give you a prize. Let's close in prayer. Our God, as we go from here, may we go celebrating you as our king. May we go, having made you our personal king in our personal lives and giving you our true praise and allegiance. And Lord, whatever comes into our lives this week, may we do so in a way that is consistent with what you told us here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.